It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. Garbage in, garbage out. Hello, hello, all you gigalos. Welcome to Garbage In, Garbage Out. I'm your host, Kelton, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Grift. How's it going, buddy? Uh, I'm I'm in rare form today. Uh, I'm running off of one hour sleep. Uh, there's a hurricane here. I spent the entire night dancing my ass off in the basement of a drum and bass uh, show. So like you're 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 getting you're getting a, a real real New York City grift vibes coming you know it's it's it, it, it's it's only getting stronger. <laughs> excellent, excellent. It's uh, it's only a matter of time, I suppose, until you uh, pop over onto the Red Scare podcast or something like that and start to really talk. You know, you can talk about their movie actually. You know, become a real uh, uh, really entwined entwined into that particular scene. That would that would be a good meta bit to have like them have the fucking um, ship like ship posting review podcast on to do their own movie <laughs> yes yes oh yeah i mean it just happened that that was the week that we're covering it yeah that that's all that's all no, nothing nefarious planned too much uh but also joining us this week is uh it's zach from the psychic dolphin garage man complete stranger completely how's it going howdy howdy i'm so excited to be been invited to the most prestigious uh movie podcast that is being podcasted currently <laughs> hey i mean uh i if, i think i threw it out a couple weeks ago but uh there's the uh, of course the can film festival and the more i think about it the more i really do want to get kick-started on the trash can film festival uh, that's good. so i was gonna say uh, with covid i feel like they've been kicking that can down the road but ah, <laughs> see oh now see them that's an interesting fun bit because the nominees list we can have announce the date for the uh, festival and then keep delaying it because of whatever variant you know but the the nominee list keeps on growing and growing so then we have like six years worth of nominees all battling it out dude you so. got you got some real you could have some real heavyweights just imagine like the for the most trash cans you've got you got space jam 2 but then you've got infinite you know, like, just, yeah, uh, see, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it really depends for it's like that 14 year old uh, threading the needle. If you're under 14. Yeah, of course. Space Jam over 14 infinite. Yeah. For, and, and, you know, movies that are six years old attack on Titan, the film versus uh, <laughs> Space Jam, of course. <laughs> oh, fuck. Did you see Infinite, by the way, Zach? Have, have you I've, had the pleasure? I have not seen Infinite, the movie. Oh, it's it's a shame. You get to watch a 50-something-year-old Mark Wahlberg pretend to be 30. And that that that's uh, apparently how old he's supposed to be yeah. in the movie. <laughs> Isn't this movie just like Looper, but worse? Or did I not? Did I get the wrong I, I mean, it, ba it basically is like, yeah, it, it has a very similar vibe uh to it it's just like hey so they can uh, be reincarnated and all that but what if they were also superheroes let's explore that in the third act for no apparent reason it's okay cool i guess this <laughs> feels like a feels like uh the fucking um uh m night Shyamalan. uh what was his old old, <laughs> old! yeah 
Yeah, they're they're on a beach and they get old. Zach, come on, I, you got you got to jump on board with the premise. I, they're they're really old. It just the the last third, like where he explains it, it just doesn't make sense. And it's like, all right, cool. I would have taken the first half just um, by itself. Glass is the one I'm thinking about. I think where they're oh, like all yeah, superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Bruce Willis drowns in an inch of water. In an inch yeah. of water. Yeah. Yeah. No. Old. Old. The same thing. Like once you explain it, it's actually much worse. Please do not come back to my D and D night ever again. <laughs> stop stop it um so so uh i guess though i should probably mention you know people know based on the title of the episode but uh this week we're actually talking about the movie Candyman, Candyman, the 1992 movie because coming out on friday is the 2021 sequel to Candyman, also called Candyman. so um for anyone who is uh, unaware uh, of what the premise of Candyman is, it's a uh, skeptical grad student researching urban myths in Chicago <laughs> accidentally summons the Candyman, a mysterious and murderous soul with a hook for a hand who will stop at nothing until the entire community believes in him again. Well, and of course, we know so, Jordan Peele's going to write the woke version of this, so it's going to be a skeptical anthropology grad student who's digging yes. in the Indian burial grounds underneath of uh, Lincoln's um, underneath of Lincoln's uh, memorial, I, I, I assume. Yeah, it's it, the tunnels, the secret tunnels that exist underneath Lincoln. Yes, thing. yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what we need. Jordan Peele presents the Underground Railroad as a hyperloop. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> uh damn ahead of their time really uh you know it, it, for, for so many things and also but, that uh, means that elon musk is stealing like so much more valor than we assumed in the first place <laughs> say say he tesla did. bought in the in the uh mirror five times <laughs> <laughs> if you say it five times in the mirror it'll actually work though that's the that's the big uh twist of the whole thing um so yeah, let, let, let's talk about Bird's Eye View here. What do we think about this movie overall, Grift? Uh, you know, I really appreciate any movie that tries to hold white women accountable. So it's <laughs> like uh, whatever, whatever else we have to say about this thing, it's got it's got a thumbs up in in, in my book. Um, Hell yeah, hell yeah! Official dudes rock movie, yeah. Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, like um, I. Oh, overall, I, I thought it was, you know, pretty, pretty, a pretty solid um, use of like building atmosphere. Like I liked how they didn't reveal the Candyman for a while. Like I, I was sure. um, coming off of watching those three fucking Fear Street movies where they just hit you over and over again with the with the jump scares and like revealing the killers like right out the gate without building any tension like this. You you you, you could tell they actually were trying to tease it and uh build build an atmosphere so that's that's always appreciated yes yes absolutely uh zach what about you um you know any film exploring the chicago projects in the 90s already i'm a little like going to this a little bit questioning uh we go you know <laughs> we show the the white grad student that's that's exploring this i'm like oh, okay okay all right um cool uh but not as cool as how many cigarettes they must have smoked during the filming. Oh my god, this movie! Oh it's man, I, I feel sorry 90s for this movie. I've ever fucking in yeah. every scene, someone is either currently smoking or they're leaning over to light their cigarette and then smoking. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like all right, so, so it, <laughs> you enter the room, 
you pick up a cigarette and light it. That's that's our lead in. <laughs> There's nothing else interesting. No, you have to be smoking. We don't know what else to do. That's our only hook. Uh, <laughs> well, other than Candyman's hook. I well, suppose, well, but, well. Know. Speaking of hooks, yeah, no. Um, also, the sound design, the soundscape for this fucking movie, yeah, man, is the best thing. Like, this is otherwise like a really generic '90s, uh, '90s slasher film, whatever. The music, sure, is sure, sure, yeah. I can I can name a bunch of movies with a black antagonist in the horror movie. Yep. I I, I, I mean uh, structurally it is still a 90s slasher. <laughs> oh, yeah. There yeah, are good things definitely. about it. You're right. It does have a black antagonist. But like the the sound the the music for it is beautiful. The sound is it, great. it really is. It's, I, that's like, what kept me going. Yeah, like I love those long tracking shots like from overhead where they have the the and that was breakthrough technology at the time really by the way like they they had just come up with that type of drone overshot so yeah we hadn't had a breakthrough with the in the writer's room we were still just doing cocaine so hell yes yeah we were you can you can go pretty far just like um uh, showing some like urban decay from a bird's eye view while having like an, an, an orchestra play a slightly sinister tune in the background like it, it can it, it it really you don't really need to uh like do much else to establish atmosphere when you when you just bring bring out all those heavy hitters definitely uh, i mean at least uh and i guess as zach uh you and i were both from the the houston area and so i th- feel like we should probably mention how there was a real candy man that existed in the houston area yeah. only you know, he he lured young boys into his house uh, with uh, candy because his family owned some candy factory. And then uh, he kept on like just murdering kids. And then when he finally tried to murder one of his accomplices, that's when they killed him. So Yeah, that scene where they have the razor blades in the candy that basically mm-hmm. terrorized our parents for all oh of my our God, lives. Yeah. Like that's yeah, we we can blame, you know, Houston for that serial killer. And then also this movie. That, it, it, that that was like an OG like Tide Pod like media psyop. <laughs> Absolutely, there, oh, there's yeah, razor blades happened. in the candy. Don't take, yeah. don't go. Like something that happened once, and then all of a sudden, every fucking like uh, conservative uh, suburban mom is freaking out, acting like it just happened down the street. You know, kind of sus that during Halloween we're all supposed to wear masks too don't you think <laughs> oh i see okay put up the eye emojis <laughs> let's go <laughs> where's that i am tattoo baby show me crank up that panopticon <laughs> <laughs> um what do we think by the way about the the setting of Candyman at the famous historical cabrini green housing projects uh, were y'all familiar with what the projects actually were in real life um, n- not in particular, but like, uh, uh, you know, it, you've, you've definitely done some research here into that. And I, I think that's cool that it, it actually is set in like a real space in Chicago that has been, um, that has been like, you know, the, um, the victim of urban decay and, you know, redlining and, you know, all of the, um, uh, housing inequity, you know, racial housing inequities that exist in uh, this country, and particularly like you know, cities like Chicago. 
Um, so I, yeah, so I guess I, like I mean, authenticity wise, like that's, that's definitely like a, like a point in its favor. Yeah. And, and I, I do appreciate the setting a whole lot. It is weird that, you know, our main character is a white woman. The director is a white guy and, you know, it's just this real, like, uh, look at how dangerous an area this is. And it, you know, it certainly ha- has its problems, but like, this is also the same, uh, projects, uh, that good times was set in. The like 1970s sitcom, Good Times, and so it's like, oh well, it has that side of it too. I guess it's not all clearly the same hallway with the same graffiti and a chain link fence. Yeah, I, I also, I, I mean, it's it is very cool. Like I've said, it's like it's set in the real world. Like this is this is a place that you can go visit. That's very cool for a horror film to be doing, kind of Blair Mountain esque, or mm-hmm. Witch of Blair Mountain esque. Um, also also race to witch mountain race to race to race to the blair race to blair witch mountain <laughs> project like jesus uh you yeah know, like, it's like that um meme where dwayne johnson's looking back into the backseat of the car but it, you the you you know what he what he sees is the last shot of the blair witch project just the uh, person standing in the court, like <laughs> facing, face, like sitting in the car, just facing away. <laughs> God damn. Uh, good. Um, uh, yeah, d- cool that that. But like watching some of the shots in the film of this, like it's supposed to be like the super like dangerous, unkempt thing. Like I have never seen that much space around like these giant apartment buildings. I'm used to apartment buildings being smashed together in these like big dense urban areas and that like sure it was unkempt and there was like nothing else that should or could have been there you know like what you would expect from an apartment i guess like a pool or actual like i guess like public park kind of situation yeah but it was this is not like it, it doesn't have the the like density that i'm that i'm used to seeing specifically in houston for um, you know, public housing. Well, it's it's cause it's, that's what the difference is between, you know, a Republican and democratic state controlled, uh, public housing projects is you get like an extra 12 square feet in your public housing projects in Chicago. Wow, Isn't that great? Isn't that you, the utopian ideal? That's so it's, <laughs> it's so much better than anything else that we have ever offered anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Stag, I would I would agree with you that uh, on there, like it was that was a sort of interesting choice to make it seem like it, it felt like a very like um, like bombed out area. Like, it, yeah. If, yeah, like it, it, like there was a lot of like open spaces, just the giant fucking literal pile of garbage. <laughs> I, I and and actually this that that ties in really well. A lot of that was actually uh, based on when the director and the the scout team went out to the actual projects that they incorporated that into the storyline because uh, this uh, Candyman movie is based on a short story of a different name by Clive Barker, who actually has the original setting be set in the UK and Candyman is yellow and he has like a red beard and stuff. And so the director had a a brilliant idea, I think, to to switch the race and the historical context and everything else of Candyman and put it into this setting. But as part of that, uh, you know, doing research and finding, well, this is actually a great area. It's also a lot more fucked up than we were initially even thinking. So let's try and incorporate as much of that uh, as elements as we can, because um, 
when the Cabrini Green projects were originally started, they were almost like this uh, quasi-utopian uh, uh, progressive uh, community builder's dream of sorts. Because uh, at the time, it was rare to have a house with a separate kitchen, private bathroom, tenant-controlled heat, elevators in every building, open-air balconies, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that, that was uh, considered well beyond what the average poor person was entitled to at the time. Entitled and so to. you're not allowed. Yeah. See, yeah. see. And, uh, and so when the wealthier, mostly white, but wealthier, uh, residents a few miles away discovered how good these project houses actually were, they felt that they were too good. And so that's when budgetary constraints came in and then administrative disinterest took over. And so people were literally left to just kind of, thin for themselves in it elevators broke down trash chutes clogged pipes got frozen lights would go out and vacant units were then unlocked and broken into uh for uh drug dealers vagrants whatever terms you want to use ne'er-do-wells to uh set up shop Lump now why were there vacant homes in public housing pro <laughs> I i'm sorry lumpen proles yes yes yeah <laughs> um but it also created this like other administrative clusterfuck because when tenants would move out of Cabrini Green, they were replaced by people who made less money. So it was a bit of an institutional race to the bottom. Additionally, because of qualifying arrangements, marriage was systemically discouraged. And so you had a large number of single working mothers who uh, were put into this place. At one point, Cabrini Green was two thirds comprised of children. And so it's this 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 massive decaying uh, place where kids are growing up uh, in not at all constructive or uh, instructive environments whatsoever. Yeah, I, and so, I'm reminded of those Soviet block houses that that we've seen popping back up and like. No, no, no! Everything was good in the Soviet Union, Zach. Come okay, on, come okay. On. Let's not let no. Everything was fine. Okay. The reason why they had to construct these Chicago houses was to compete with like this Soviet propaganda. Like, see, we provide housing to everyone. But then they, as soon as they did all the pictures and stuff, then they just like took down all of the equipment that they had set up there and then like abandoned <laughs> it and never put any more money into those houses in Chicago. Whereas, you know, the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, same yeah, I thing, mean that, that was their justification yeah. for why they didn't, you know, maintain upkeep on it. <laughs> yeah. Is that they, it, everything collapsed, it splintered off, and then you know when there's like a warlord with a lemur walking around with a, <laughs> with an AK-47, you got slightly larger issues going on than whether or not the elevators busted. Uh, 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 submit that service request at some time. See how how soon that gets fixed. Uh, posting a picture <laughs> of the Cabrini Green housing projects with the caption. Uh, is there anything more depressing than left-wing architecture? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely what it is. Like there, there's so much, I think, um, I think you had, had mentioned it in here, but like so much of, so much of like the, the like welfare and all these public projects were done as literally a like post-World War II step that was necessary as a post-Cold War step that was necessary to keep up with like making it look like we care about people in our country. 
Yeah, I, I mean, there was a huge famous publicity stunt in 1981 when the mayor of Chicago said, I'm moving to the Cabrini Green apartments uh, to show everyone just how safe it was. And then three weeks later, left and was like, fuck this whole place. <laughs> you know, I think that the movie is taking a shot at the the mayor. He could have just moved into the into the white. Hey, ones. hey, she. OK, she sorry. Could she could have okay. moved into there. We into go. The white version, the 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 the, the same building, but in the white part of uh chicago it's it's a mirror image construction only with plaster put over the cinder blocks instead yeah Yeah, exactly uh, which i mean isn't isn't that just kind of an apt metaphor for gentrification putting plaster over cinder blocks i think that that's just a a good phrase white women you know it's be grinding the plaster off their cinder blocks they want that (laughs) they want that uh that real urban grit yeah white women yt women be <laughs> post all right there we go um yeah so this of course was uh I, I don't know who on the the location scouting team really came up with this but uh when uh of course the director found out about this it was like well all right so this is this is uh the exact way we're doing we're gonna film on location even and then they made a deal with various gang members that they would put them in as featured extras if they would let the crew film safely there which was just a delightful bit of trivia that i'm sure isn't the director being colorful or telling uh, a tall tale to try and help sell the movie a little bit more none whatsoever (laughs) he's like yeah i have i have uh friends in the hood like look at it's a a british guy too so you know oh just 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 to on another note of of the the original um uh, british story that it's that it's adapted from it um it sounds like this is yet another example of a uh redhead being replaced by a black person in cinema (laughs) so the, the, the theory holds true yet again Hey, 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 listen, listen. Just because it's true doesn't mean we should be pointing it out, okay? Come on. Shh. We don't need to talk about this. Um, No. For anyone, by the way, who will probably message uh, uh, and say, well, actually, uh, the main character of the 2021 Candyman film is Anthony, who was the baby in the 1992 Candyman film. Yes, we know. Shut up, please. Please shut up. And, you know, instead, think about the, like the weird comedic side movie you could make instead where Tony Todd has to like babysit an infant for 36 hours. It's just like, where's that? <laughs> so so he's that... changing diapers with his hook hand. That's just the 1994 <laughs> film Baby's Day Out. Oh, I see. <laughs> that That's just the boss baby three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh fuck god the 90s were so, desperate for content it's okay it'll get like a five season deal done at peacock i mean Jesus. if that, that fucking dan brown tv show can get made anything can Wait, at this point there's a dan brown tv show yes what? it's called the lost symbol it's going to be coming out soon it's from uh it's set in the world it follows like the younger version of tom hanks's character when he was like a hot Harvard graduate who fucks. And so <laughs> Tom Hanks did that one time and he squirted out an abomination. There were three movies, sir. There was the Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons and Inferno. So hell yeah, complete the trilogy. <laughs> it's it's funny because uh, 
the lost symbol like i remember like you know reading those dan brown books as like a teenager and like the lost symbol is like the one set in dc which was his like clear cash grab after right after the da vinci code because the yes. first year of the da vinci code and then national treasure rips it off so then he has to like re-rip off national treasure by putting the da vinci code in dc and like, yes oh, is that what happened King with those shit. films see Yes, I I love I love when there's like one big film that's coming out and it clearly got like the script got like scouted really early because there's like two other films that come out that same year that are both worse, but then you can't really tell which film was supposed to be the big one because they they all somehow get the same budget for advertisement. Yeah, it, it's it's the dueling movies thing. It's Armageddon versus Deep Impact all over. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Immortals versus Clash of the Titans. Oh hell yeah. It's uh, well, you know, we'll actually be covering Clash of the Titans later on Ooh, when no. Marvel's Eternals comes no. out. That's right. Everyone get excited for Marvel's Eternals actually shot on location. And there will be like six seconds of Bollywood to be quirky enough. That's right. Marvel's going to pander to the Indian subcontinent. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to see Angelina Jolie at 80 years old playing in a Disney film because it's honestly the best paying gig out there probably yeah still hot still hot still rocking it you know let's go make it happen um so let's talk about the actual movie itself how how about that instead of me you know starting to just openly thirst for angelina jolie (laughs) and we, we can uh we can leave the psychological justifications for that later somewhere maybe um Candyman, we open on uh, Helen Lyle, a graduate student who is writing her thesis about urban myths in <laughs> Chicago, which is, I didn't realize that that's what you could get approved for, for urban myths uh, as a graduate thesis in Chicago, especially if there was already a thesis done uh, at least 10 years ago by a now tenured professor. So not, not sure how that works. Academia is a sham, is my point. I mean, first of all, anthropology, yeah, you know, for the most part, t- trying to get getting to the bottom of an urban myth, they're going to use a lot of big words that I don't like, and uh, and then explain the psycholinguistics it. of D's nuts by <laughs> Kelton. <laughs> See, you could you could make it now, um, but but also just uh, uh, cool. We needed a we needed some a. a a justification for going out here and doing this uh cocaine yes that's exactly right someone approved it i'm thinking it's because she is the spouse of another tenured professor and so it was you know just kind of well what am i gonna do not approve my wife's thesis come on now damn help me out bro do me a solid here yeah i'm already cheating on her her, i can't you know take any more flack 50 year old husband and she's a grad student Yes. And then the other tenured professor they just go out to dinner with regularly looks like he's like 60. Yeah, that's right. I can't tell the age of anyone in this goddamn film. It, it was the 90s. It was 92, which is also known as like the late 80s, I think, because, you know, someone could be like 35 and playing a college student. <laughs> and you're supposed to be like, yep, I believe it. Like uh, in the very opening scene, when you're watching those two teenagers <laughs> that meet up, the babysitter and then the bad boy Billy on the motorcycle. Yeah. It's like it's like 35. Yeah, <laughs> that's Sam Raimi's brother, Ted Raimi, to, by the okay. way. To be fair, they also could have just smoked enough cigarettes that their skin just looked like that in the 90s. I wouldn't know. 
No, I, I, as ask anyone who knows it with meat, the more you smoke something, the longer it's supposed to last and better preserved it will be. That, it, it's just not true, Zach. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. There, there, there have been a lot of those viral photos online of like the cast of TV shows from like the 70s and 80s. And it's like these people are in their mid 30s and they look ancient. So like maybe it's something to do with cigarettes. Maybe it's just like, I don't know, the, the photograph quality or the fashion or whatever. But yeah. I think the science is still out. This message brought to you by Philip Morris. Please, Philip <laughs> Morris, sponsor this episode of Kick Out. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, well, but, uh, yeah, all so, of our problems so wh- aside, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I am trying to just shill away while the Earth is dying. Zach, <laughs> let's let's fucking get this weird nicotine infused bread. Uh, it's great. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So she she's researching urban myths all over Chicago. She comes across the story of Candyman, who uh, again, it's a vengeful ghost with a hook for a hand. Whoa, don't say his name in the mirror five times or else he'll split you from groin to gullet, which just seems like, a, a, again, a real antiquated phrase. If you're going to instead read, of cleave you in two. Yeah, if you're going to like redo like the same saying their name in a mirror thing, at least give him a chainsaw. Like doing that with a hook has got to be against some fucking OSHA regulation. <laughs> yeah, I'm also, you know, I'm wondering since the the reboot or sequel, whatever you want to call it, is going to be produced by Jordan Peele. It'll have music cues by Jordan Peele. What is the over under on the song "Say My Name, Say My Name" appearing in this movie? <laughs> um, uh, you know, <laughs> I I said the runtime at I don't know, eighteen seconds. Over under. <laughs> Let's figure that out. Um, uh, is it? It's gonna be. That's gonna be once he's like, once the main character is like, okay, cool. No, we're we're doing this. It's gonna be. It's gonna be the the cue when he finally is like, yes, no, I I am, the uh, hey, what? I am the Candyman. All right. I, I am. I am become the Candyman. Yes. Yeah. I got. I got another prediction for the reboot. Um. The the white woman investigating the the. Candyman murders is doing research for a true crime podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, this is why I enjoy us talking about a movie that's related to a film that's coming out a few days later because we can make these wild predictions, be on mic, and then, you know, if they don't do it, we can shame them for it because we came up with much better ideas. Like, as corny as it would be, White Woman Crime Podcast. There's your element of satire, Jordan Peele. It's right there. Just because you're married to Chelsea Peretti doesn't mean that you can't satirize white women. I believe in you. Uh, Stay strong, brother. Uh, uh, dressing like cops in the project so you can snap some pictures for the My Favorite Murder uh, Instagram feed. <laughs> also, just admitting that, also just admitting that, like, you know, the FBI definitely just goes around and playing clothes in the in the uh, in the projects all the time. Yeah. Well, come on, Zach. They weren't alluding to that whatsoever. CIA Shh. is among us right now. We're all logged into Twitter. Okay. Uh, God. Oh God. It's true. It's true. What do we think about the Candyman origin story? By the way, about he he was the son of a slave, but he was really good at painting and so he painted a bunch of white honkies until someone's daughter was like i want to fuck that guy and then people spazzed out about it it felt very sort of like contrived and overwrought like it's just like if if you're trying to i know this isn't a serious movie or whatever and and it's not trying to make any point about real real point about like um 
like racial history, but just like no, this no, is, I, yeah, th- like it, it, it's 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 such an absurdly specific premise that it's like it it it, it loses any sort of um, the you know metaphorical power it would have just in like how <laughs> how ridiculous it is. And then with the fucking bees, like what's going on with the bees? Why are the bees like just, like yeah? What <laughs> fucking southern redneck was like? And I say that we cover them in honey. See what happens, maybe, you know? Just throwing that <laughs> idea out there. Not the bees. No, <laughs> not the bees. The, the DM wrote this backstory, like two different backstories, and then was like trying to was trying to make up something on the fly for an entirely different third campaign and just like had both these like, ah, I can smash them together. Like cutting off his hand and feels like enough if you then just kill him. But maybe to sweeten the deal, huh? Uh, huh? Or just doing the bees, like make it be the hook or the bees. Why does it have to be both? And then we uh, don't see bees for the entire movie. Just, and also, he's dude, not called or, Honey Man or Bee Man. Yeah, or, it's yeah. Candy Man. He could he could throw bees at people like the like the power in Bioshock. Oh, uh, like, let's not make this a superhero movie grift. Come on now, <laughs> let's not. He can teleport. He he's an ethereal being. He has bee powers. Oh no! I'm, I'm seeing the Disney Plus show already, <laughs> right before my very eyes. Also, this could just be the 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 birds. Like the bees are just you know bothering you as you're going about your daily life more and more, and that that could be the thing. Also, it, does that make a critical support for Candyman if he's the one that might be able to bring back the bees single handedly? Oh, See? yeah, he's going to fix That's... fix the looming uh, pollination crisis. Not only is Candyman a, a BIPOC, but he's also going to <laughs> save the bees. <laughs> yeah, just, just it's... based in cottage uh, core pilled uh, Candyman, just like, like like raising bees. That's all on he him. wants yeah. is a nice trad GF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <he's>... literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they really try later in the movie play up the it's almost like Dracula vibes. Yeah, about it's like oh yeah, submit to me, be my victim. Da 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 da. Uh, Tony Todd, just amazing performance by the way, terrific voice. Uh, I I can I, I'm so glad he got paid like uh, to do other movies after this because I mean yeah. j- just it's it's really good. He was a he was a really um, like menacing presence. Uh, yeah, and I think he only has like six minutes of screen time, so like he makes it work. It's incredibly effective. Um, I, I know, by the way, uh, st- uh, talking a little bit earlier about how this was, in fact, a black antagonist. Uh, and th- it's rare, and I know that when the producers brought the script before the NAACP, they're like, this isn't problematic, right? <laughs> they're like, what? No, why are we having this meeting? It- it's a good script. Are you saying a black actor can't play Freddy Krueger or Hannibal Lecter? Uh, that- what? What? <laughs> Just... It was uh, classic white people, I think, real, real, uh, kind of showing their whole ass here. Yeah, just being like, yeah. Well, I mean, we don't want to offend anyone, right? You don't think that this is bad? I mean, if anything, they should probably get offended at the stereotype of a black man going after a white woman, right? Is that the? Uh, that's his preference type, huh? Just say he has a type and move on. Let's not make it like you are the lost love of my life. For eons, I have searched for you until your genetic material made you look exactly the same as my old spouse, but you still live here. Well, thankfully, we proved in the film that he 
does not just go after white women. This white woman went going after him. Yeah, I mean, he's like a 300-year-old black man. She's like a, a mid-20s white woman. She's already got a sugar age gap. <laughs> She's already got a sugar daddy. She just wants one. She just, you know, a wants A honey daddy. She, That's what she wants. Daddy. Okay. <laughs> a, a candy daddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, so uh, uh, Helen's thesis, by the way, is that the residents of Cabrini Green are using the fanciful myth of Candyman in an effort to rationalize and cope with the stresses of their daily lives. And th- I, I, I feel like I had heard somewhere a similar type of logic and justification given for like why Latin American people have such a religious affiliation that like, oh, it just helps them so much. And it, it feels kind of racist, I think, when, when statements like that are just said in passing. I don't know. What did y'all think about that? Well, I mean, first of all, you're, you're doing a like master's thesis on urban legends. Like, it, like I know, we're not, I know. We're it's not, the lore podcast yeah. really just brought to, to life. Yeah, here, like so. it's, it's like, you know, there's a, you see why people don't trust academics when they're just making like literally just just making this stuff up. You can trust academics. Don't trust 23 year old female grad students who only got the approval for the thesis because they're fucking a professor. <laughs> like, that's, that's not academics as a whole. You know, I, yeah. I just, uh, sorry. Yeah. Don't mean to do pushback. Your point still stands, of course, Griff. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I refuse to believe that she's actually like this real intellectual character when that's not exhibited it, you know she's acting like a sorority girl when she's hanging out with her co-worker bernadette and they're like oh let's turn off the lights and say Candyman's name in the mirror five times I mean, it's very like no it does almost get to a point where it feels like contrasting like this very like hey these people are fucking uh you know have this have this uh spirit that is living there that is haunting them contrasted against the you know bourgeois existence of these grad students that are you know fucking tenured professors and going out to fancy dinners and you know and smoking and smoking so much smoking so much and then you know just being like lol copium anytime someone says that there's a a, an evil vengeful spirit uh, attacking them. That, <laughs> Lol, copium. <laughs> it's just what she says while smoking a cigarette <laughs> and walking through the projects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like <laughs> that, that. Sorry, yeah. that's amazing, Zach. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck. yeah. No, and then point out a whole paper to explain why this is just you know why this is just a construct in your mind and. And you're more susceptible <laughs> to this superstition because you aren't an enlightened, rich white person. Uh, fuck. That's fuck. why. That's uh, the real reason why she got ripped asunder. Well, I mean, she does get the shit kicked out of her by the that gang leader as she's doing investigations, uh, and yeah, the, the we find out that there's a gang leader calling himself Candyman because he's trying to improve his street cred. Hey, respect the grift. Well, I mean, like, that seems like a weird thing to do, right? (laughs) That, like, why does Candyman not care about, you know, stolen identity? Wouldn't Candyman hate that there's an imposter? No. Calling himself Candyman? No, because that means that people are scared of him. Yeah, because he he wants people to remember his name. Ah, that's true. He's he's keeping the legend alive being, like, you know, the, 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 you know, just physical personification of it in, like, an actual person. So that's, that's... Uh, you know, 
propagating the the urban legend further. I I get it. I, I'm just realizing that that technically means that this guy is a cosplayer. Yeah, he's a gang yeah. leader, but also <laughs> yeah. like a cosplayer. So uh, I I don't know how to feel now. I don't want to support the white woman, of course, but I can't support cosplay. Uh, not like this, at least. So. Um, it was great, by the way, how immediately after attacking her, it just seems like, uh, the, the cops are like, well, that's all it took. He attacked a white woman time to take him down. Yeah. And then, and then (laughs) when the, when the white woman, uh, is discovered at this, uh, at the scene of a, a dog murder and baby kidnapping with the murder weapon. Um, and then they, they let her go and don't release her name to the press. And it's like, 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 don't you just hate historical accuracy in yeah. movies? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very brutal. realist, actually. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because, because, like, uh, we we should talk about that scene because, yeah, she does kind of wake up like covered in blood, and she finds out that she like decapitated her a Rottweiler, or maybe she didn't, but uh, Candyman did, but he also transported her. But I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of questions about like how the rules work in the movie. But I also understand that the whole co- premise and concept behind the movie is that urban legends themselves are in a state of flux and change. And so the rules will always be in a state of flux and change. And that's kind of like what you need to accept, just like you would accept that there's a candy man. So don't, you know expect him to follow rules all the time. But w- whatever. Point is, is that uh, Helen really is proud of herself and thinking that she has like a, a cool thesis when then Candyman appears behind her and then she like gets mesmerized by him and then teleported and the baby gets stolen and all that yeah, fun well, stuff. I mean, you know, we assume that everything is one evil person doing some murders, except when it's a tool of imperialism do killing people <laughs> and doing murders. <laughs> I uh, need to remove my support for Candyman uh, upon realizing <laughs> That, uh, in fact, he was trying to utilize the bees for genetic warfare. And he's being employed by the CIA to get rid of uh, minorities in the project. Those bees help speed up the gentrification. (laughs) Uh, Saying my MK Ultra trigger uh, uh, five times in the mirror. Uh, Well. I mean, it, it just seems so interesting to me, like and what makes Candyman such a compelling villain, at least in my head, is that he really does seem to only want to be remembered. And so as long as he's remembered, he won't kill anyone. But if people say his name in the mirror, he feels like he has to kill them. Otherwise, then they'll say that they said it and nothing happened. And so then people won't believe in him anymore. Yep. So like he's following the same rules as the gods in Clash of the Titans. It's, it's Percy basically. Jackson rules too. Yeah, yeah. I I, he, I need people to believe in me if I want to be strong. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's memorized all the lyrics to remember the name by Fort Minor. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, oh, please. Also, music cue drop. Let's have it happen. Oh my God! Ten uh, percent <laughs> luck, twenty percent skill. <laughs> oh i need i need that i need a candy man like workout training montage video (laughs) (laughs) i think it's great that he not only not only is it like actually like his actions make logical sense in this place that's set in the real world but the way that they um 
the way that they designed his voice. Mm. I mean, that's just Tony Todd. I, okay, for, okay, you know, yeah, sure. But also, his voice is like a big megaphone, like right behind your head in mm-hmm. the audio yeah. track. It's it's telepathy. Yeah. He's never he never actually speaks, but you hear like it's like reverberating inside the character's head as they would. It's so good. It's so yeah. good that it actually genuinely is almost the most terrifying part of the movie. I think mm. it's terrifying. What I mean, his voice, uh, the the whole idea. No, the fact that he's black. Oh, it's no. the scariest thing about him. Who would dream of such a horror? Oh, on this. Oh, um, now I I think. I don't want to be uh, telling anything out uh, or telling anything out of uh, class here, but uh, if I remember correctly, Eddie Murphy was actually originally considered for the title role, but he was deemed to be too short and have too high a voice because he's only five nine. And I, I am so glad they went with Tony Todd. <laughs> I, I could not handle a uh, candy man who also needs to do like a tight five of riffing right in the middle. You know, just, uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't quite get behind it. I couldn't be able to take it seriously if it was, if it was Eddie Murphy either. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous that that was even considered. <laughs> like, this is Eddie Murphy, I think, like, raw era or maybe just after. So, you know, it's definitely like an all leather robe version of Candyman that we would be getting. And it doesn't quite work the same. Um, any, but anyway, sorry to, to get back onto the story here a little bit. Um, she, of course, uh, gets out of jail and she's uh, free to go hang out at her house. And that's when we get a bathtub scene that really threw me for a loop because uh, it, it was it, the whole thing felt vaguely PG-13 the, the, the whole time. And then it was just so weird to see like an actual nipple in the bathtub. Just, I was I was thrown off just by full that. titties. We got we got full titties. There is so much blood and it does feel kind of austere. Otherwise, like, you know, they're wearing these uh, very, uh, you know, fall in Chicago, big, long jackets and and stuff. Then it's just, you know, she's in the tub and she's just full Teddy. It's like, okay, that's yeah. All right. We're doing this. This feels weird and oddly invasive, I say, in the Candyman movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, as as far as gore. Have some decency. (laughs) You're the reincarnated bride of a 17th century horror monster. God, have you no shame? (laughs) Yeah. Like, the, the movie, like, there was a lot of gore in the aftermath scenes, but, you know, when he was actually cutting people up with his hook, they didn't actually you know show that in the moment as much you saw some blood spurting around but you didn't you didn't see the process of someone getting ripped from groin to gullet you know oh my god right yeah because and i guess that's the whole thing with the entire movie because it's less of like a horror movie and more like a supernatural thriller of sorts so um i i think that maybe that's just the the tone so it's not inconsistent but it, it's certainly not what I was expecting. Like I was expecting at least the kill scenes to have buckets of blood uh, a little bit instead of the tasteful cutaway with a lonesome scream as we cut to another drone shot over Chicago with a beautiful cinematic score playing. You know, like uh, it, it made it um, just, just a different vibe for me. I kind of like that we, we're not focusing as much on the gore. Like those are more for, you know, it's all film uh yeah or or, you know stuff like that i don't think we had really had like a super gory 
push when this film was made, right? Like, what's the what's the goriest film? Well, I, I mean, the, like, there's always been gory movies, so you know, I don't want to to say that there, yeah. there haven't been. Well, you know, I, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess most of the like most of the like action films that have props and have people getting their eyes plucked out or have have like these yeah kind of more like scene yeah. where that's like the big that's the big like makeup special effects thing in this film and this film was like it had a lot of stuff going on so its focus was not as much on on shocking us with with that as it was about you know writing more so you're you're right yeah it's more of a it's more of a thriller it's more about more about the ambiance and the experience of of watching i mean mcgruber gives you more violent kills on screen than Candyman does so i think uh we we need to temper our expectations a little bit yeah yeah but uh Candyman, uh he then also kills Bernadette, and so uh, the cops just think, man, this white woman's going crazy because she's killed a dog, she's abducted a baby, she's killed her research partner, and then they sedate her and put her in a mental hospital, which she then is able to break out of because she summons Candyman, and then um, yeah. so then we get to watch Candyman like kill the doctor, yeah, which. And by cool, kill, by kill, I, guess. I mean I guess he just drags his blunt ass round hook through bone and sinew as he rips straight up through his body and then the guy just collapses dead yeah the actor did not give did not sell it by any means i it was just like okay you're being cut you're being cut act shocked act surprised act uh little bit of already dried red blood on the side of your mouth yeah you're like no next next take you really gotta sell that you're getting your back blown out by candy man right now <laughs> oh, oh yeah uh, the, i think the the climactic shot in this part right was was her watching the video of well not climactic in um the the story the climax of the story here is her watching the video and candy man's not in the video and we we clearly saw him in the scene when she was tied down yes yes and so uh that, that's where it's like well maybe it is all in my head maybe i am going crazy and you know um i guess that would be cool it's weird like in 1992 if i was watching this and you know not not born at that time yet um maybe i would be like oh well what is it but knowing now that there's a Candyman reboot and then there are two Candyman sequels i'm just like i don't know i think Candyman's real let's not sir let's not add this psychological element here instead let's just get on with the plot a little bit yeah yeah but uh i mean i i guess though like the one streamlined note i would have for this movie would be that it seems like the the shitty husband the professor guy that he seemed a little superfluous as a character that you could have streamlined everything way more just by having Helen and Bernadette either be like in a lesbian relationship or have them just be uh, uh, roommates with each other. It seems like that would have worked out a little easier yeah, overall. Big air quote roommates, because otherwise you have tenured professor at the beginning hanging out with his uh, with with his students acting sus as fuck Yo, and it's like, like oh, where's fuck. this storyline gonna go he's gonna get killed by Candyman because he's unfaithful and then he just doesn't and it's like okay so he got away with it well he, he hey. gets it at the end like oh he he gets it all right yeah he gets oh, it yeah he gets it yeah because right there because helen 
uh, escapes the hospital and then goes home and and her, her his new bitch is painting his painting his apartment man yeah. what a way to walk in like there's no way to say it's just a fling at that point right <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she, what no no i let all my one night stands redecorate the kitchen and add pink paints all over the walls all, like Jesus. i mean talk, talk about that the end shot of the 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 new uh student that he's with just a gratuitous like um no bra like nipple through the shirt scene like i don't think it was it was, it was the 90s it was ridiculous like it, I, it's like what is going on here like they don't do that shit anymore bring bring that no <laughs> yeah return that's right come on tradition. reject yeah. modernity yeah <laughs> it's a photo of that actress and then also jennifer aniston on friends so yeah. make uh, bra congratulations. burning woke again <laughs> i will support the sjw's on one key issue <laughs> I am a single issue voter in 2024. I must know where they stand on this. Fuck. Um, let's see. So, uh, yeah, she she obviously confronts her, her cheating husband and then leaves because she is going to go try and rescue the baby that Candyman has stolen. And Candyman uh, explains to her, like, hey, if you surrender to me and help me out, I'll, uh, I'll, say, I'll release the baby and give you immortality. Which uh, I what I was a little thrown off by just the immediate plea uh, plea bargain that was struck here with Candyman, but in context it makes sense I suppose because reincarnated love and all that fucking bullshit. But in the moment I was like, what is happening here? Why is Candyman pulling this? Yeah, it. I I, I was never really sold on his. You know, like. The, the the trade between her soul and the baby and I, I don't know like you know there, it's it, it served the purposes of the plot but there, it just it, it didn't really like I felt like they definitely could have streamlined that aspect and like honestly I think this movie is like 20 minutes too long probably like there's no reason it's it's, it's only a hundred minutes man that's the other thing too yeah. it fucking drags yeah. uh, in that in between the end of the second act beginning of the third yeah it really felt like they were padding shit out and maybe that's why the the college uh, professor husband role is there. It's because otherwise we'd be looking at like a tight sixty five minutes instead. Dude, give me give me a uh... tight sixty five. Let's do this. Yeah, that, that's what I also call Angelina Jolie. But okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh anyways uh candy man yeah he uh he opens his coat and he reveals that his rib cage is made of bees it's all <laughs> bees bees pour out of his mouth as he kisses helen and they they go down her throat it's bees everywhere bees all the time be a clock be movie Tony Todd, uh, uh, in fact, had negotiated a bonus for a, of a thousand dollars for every bee sting he suffered during filming, and he was stung twenty three times. You know so, what? Good I, on I'm him. Gonna, you know what? That is some king shit. Twenty three thousand yeah. dollar bonus because you didn't want to get stung by bees. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I was looking it up. Like, how did they do this? The answer is these are twelve hour old bees. So they're bees that look mature but don't have fully functioning stingers yet. Nice, nice. And so I, I'm sure they pitched that to Tony Todd, and he said, "Fuck that! 
you're going to still give me my bonus. They're like, but they don't have Stinger. And he's like, then it shouldn't be a problem, should it? And then it turns out 23 times it was a fucking problem. So good good on him. Damn. I would, I would uh, get stung 23 times for 23K. Like, <laughs> that's not only like a good trade-off. <laughs> it could work, I suppose. You know, where's that fear factor challenge? Just uh, accomplished character actors getting stung by various bees. Let's uh, let's do it. It's like hot ones, but it's bees instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back to my other movie set, and I'd better not have any goddamn bee stings after this. <laughs> you know, Tony Todd probably was like, "Oh, the bees are going to be CGI in the next movie." Uh, no, they can be real. I'm all for authenticity <laughs> as long as my previously established contract is still in place. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So she, she of course, uh, Helen, she passes out, right? And uh, when she wakes up, she discovers the mural of Candyman and his lover who looks exactly like her. So nice to know that they didn't cut off his painting hand. I definitely I got this, and I definitely didn't just not understand most of the mural stuff or the fact that she looked like his his old lover. Um, uh huh. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's a real stunning exact likeness, right? It wasn't like two hundred years of dementia have probably rotted his brain, and, and he got like I don't know. Yeah, and what? and well explained, and like definitely not like lost because they shoved all this in into the third act. I, hey, I, don't I, worry, don't worry. In the reboot, Zach, they're gonna have Lil Rel be like a comedic relief guy and say things like, "You mean to tell me that you're the reincarnated version of Candyman's lover? <laughs> That's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> I want to, Mister Peel. My brain has done too many drugs. <laughs> <laughs> You know your audience. <laughs> I want a scene of him, uh, the Candyman, painting the murals in the projects. Where, but he's like struggling to like pick up the paintbrush with the, the hook. <laughs> like <laughs> it just just keeps fucking up. <laughs> oh my god! It, try and entertain the baby and paint yeah. the mural at the same time. Just. <laughs> Oh my god, he keeps like changing what the face of his bride looks like based on whatever woman he's abducted at that time. You just find out that it's a whole bit he does every single time. It's good. It's good. Um so yeah, Candyman then is hoping to uh, uh emulate uh, and and uh kill Anthony and Helen in the bonfire uh that the uh Cabrini Green residents had set up cuz the residents saw Candyman inside the bonfire and then they all decided they were gonna light him on fire yeah but they didn't see which, helen in there somehow so or hear the baby even though helen heard the baby uh, it's, it's fine it's in her head it's been to love May maybe they already accepted them as collateral damage jesus they're like well listen the, we're gonna get rid of the white woman who beheaded uh that other lady's dog so i mean i don't think it's a real loss right uh, and then I mean, when you when you zoom back and like look at what we have here at the ending, you have a white woman saving a black baby from a pile of trash that the black community is setting on fire. Like that's right. Yeah, symbolism, grift, symbolism. 
<laughs> yeah, we have real, real girl boss energy there. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, at least, at least they didn't just have her like run in and then make it out unscathed. Oh yeah, no. Like instead, we get died. to see her yeah. with a ridiculous bald cap on. Honestly, the worst she's like... bald cap. <laughs> It's almost I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, it's fine for that after the fire scene. It's worse. Um, it's worse. The second time that we see her in it is worse. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's real bad because it looks like she's like an 80s ska backup singer <laughs> is uh, what ends up happening. Um, so, yeah, she Helen, of course, dies and uh, everyone goes to her funeral. Uh, her her ex-husband. Her ex-husband's new bitch, yeah. uh, the, the professor who dumped all the exposition explaining who Candyman was, and the entirety of the projects shows up. And rolling <laughs> deep, yeah, like Helen was uh, way more popular. I get like this was like a Michael Jackson's funeral level proceeding that was taking place of a march here and i i wanted to think like oh it's because they really appreciated how she saved the baby and then i had the realization that oh it's because she's now a vengeful spirit and so just in the same way that the community has to leave offerings for candy man otherwise he would go out and kill them in the night uh they're leaving offerings for her so she'll leave them be they're doing it out of like uh a fearful respect almost and yeah. that that made it much darker at least in my head uh, what i got from that was that they they respected her for having defeated the og candy man but you know you're right and now instead of it being you know a member of their community terrorizing them it's just some crazy white woman terrorizing them yeah don't say helen in the mirror five times <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it you know i'm just you're gonna have to pick a new moniker, Helen, and tell people what that is. <laughs> At least her name wasn't Karen, right? Uh, yeah. Like, we we dodged the real bullet here, because uh, man, uh, it, it was nice to see in like an epilogue of sorts when um, the husband Trevor is looking in the mirror and he's like reflecting on the good times because uh, the new girl can't cook worth shit <laughs> like, <laughs> keeping a steak unwrapped in the fridge just <laughs> laying there pulling out the <laughs> biggest <laughs> chef's knife possible to prep a steak like okay and the, how she was bouncing the yeah. sharp end on her palm <laughs> what the fuck like, Yo, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a salad just casually tapping this giant knife against your hand like <laughs> i think she was gonna kill him yeah. i think that's why he was hiding in the bathroom I, I think he was in an abusive relationship way over his head. Helen White women will get you too. one way or the other. <laughs> uh, if anyone's going to kill me, it's going to be my ex-wife. God damn it. Um, so, yeah, he says Helen five times in the mirror. She appears as a vengeful spirit and with real girl boss energy uh, goes out and kills him. So I imagine everyone cheered at that point, right? It was yeah, and then everyone clapped. Oh, because he she defeated the cheating husband. Yeah, that's right. That's what that's what you get. I'm for not sticking with your wife who killed three people. Probably. I'm good for you. I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad that uh, you know. I'm glad that the the moral of the story is uh, is you know as long as you are dumb enough, then you too can become a vengeful spirit. That's right. You too can get your shit rocked every now and then. Yep. 
Um, let's let's not look past this co-ed character, by the way. The more I think about, it, the more insane it is. So she is dating a tenured or having an affair with a tenured professor, right? Dime a dozen. Yeah. Tenured professor's spouse makes the news for uh, killing a. I'm sorry for for killing a dog and abducting a baby in the projects. Then makes the news again for killing her research partner. <laughs> And then your thought is within a month to to go in and move in with said professor at his place. Like nothing ever happened because it's none of the other new furniture. Everything else is just the same. So what, what the fuck? I I don't know. I I mean, I I guess he, he, his date game is just that good. White women. Oh man. Trevor just laying serious pipe. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. White women do be crazy. Yeah. Just, Oh, oh no. Oh no. Uh, he takes off his pants and it's just bees. It's oh, bees. <laughs> it's his punishment. You know, it's what you get. Uh, uh, but what a movie. What a movie. So um, now, now that we're getting to the end of it with the new season, we have a new question that we ask here. Uh, instead of asking people how many trash cans instead, we are submitting to the binary of is it garbage or is it not? So uh, what is it? Garbage or not? How are we feeling, Zach? Uh, you know, I I don't think that it was it was that bad. Like if you look at each part, sure, it's tropey. Sure, it's kind of, you know, a product of its era. I think altogether, it's actually a really impressive um, piece of art. I, th- I think I'm. It's. It makes me more excited to watch the new Candyman and see if the soundtrack is as um, impressive. I mean, it'll be impressive in a different way. Hopefully, if we get you know the David Guetta clips in there. So, <laughs> Shout, shouts out to his family. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is for you, George Floyd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck oh, no. oh fuck um grifts what about you uh yeah definitely definitely not garbage um just compared to the like hyper saturated shit they make now it was a re- refreshing to have the you know throwback 90s aesthetic to the production you know you got you got people smoking you got um you know, women not wearing bras. You got you know, like it's it's that sort of uh, like grainy wash. You know, washed out uh, sort of like concrete vibes to a lot of the urban yeah. scenes, which like yeah. it 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 reminded me of some of the vibes of those like mid budget like um, like John Grisham novels that they would uh, make into like legal thrillers. Like, yes, Pelican Brief. Yeah, Hell yeah. The firm. Like, you know, like, mm, you like, yeah. like, it's just like, we need, like, a lot of stuff from the 90s is coming back. We need to, like, we, we, need, we need to bring this style of uh, filmmaking back. So we, we can. And uh, thankfully, I think we have the technology to make everything be incredibly crisp with it. You know, like, the, all of the same, like, uh, motifs and philosophies when it comes to shooting, but with 4K cameras could be uh, quite a thing. Like, uh, this, like, this is the tier of movie that I think is primed for a great reboot in the sense of, like, this is a pretty good premise that falls apart a little bit uh, in the middle of the second act moving forward, 
but with a little bit more modern filmmaking um, uh, technology and some aesthetic updates here and there, I really do think you can have an incredibly successful reboot uh, take place that will be gripping. So I look forward to seeing what the the reboot, of course, has in store or reboot sequel, whatever people want to call it. But um, I, I would also be interested to see if this does kick off this kind of tier of 90s horror uh, characters that uh, come back because I'll be all for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Let's go. Let's fucking go. But uh, I guess it's now time for plugs. So before we get out of here, uh, Zach, what is going on in the Psychic Dolphin Garage? Uh, the same normal shit that we always do. Uh, there's another episode of Dolphins and Garages coming out. Otherwise, uh, you know what? We're out weekly. So uh, if you want to listen to a very Texas-centric podcast about Texas things that are shitty and bad, then uh, you know where to find us. It's very shitty, very bad. I can't wait to sign on. I'll have a UT thesis paper on the Chubacabra, and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. That's my horror movie pitch. We can make it trauma. Uh, and then once James Gunn gets canceled for more pedophile shit, he can direct the movie for us. Mm. And then uh, he'll be, it's the he'll only be way we can afford yeah, him. Yeah, okay? no, he'll be you desperate. Know, and, you know, it'll be the, well, we'll be co- controlling the vibe of the film. So it'll, we'll try to at least, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll make sure everyone's over 21. We're going to turn, so we're gonna it'll, turn it'll be James Gunn into Zack Schneider just, just by trying to force him to make <laughs> our film for us. Oh, God. Oh, I can't handle it. A jacked James Gunn? No, thank you. Uh, not not here for it. God. Uh, Grift, what, what's going on in the shop, though, man? Uh, so, you know, speaking of um, black men who, who've committed acts of righteous violence, um, my uh, the uh, classic Respect Troops Dorner shirt uh, pl- plans are in the works for it to be brought back um, on uh, um, uh, custom screen printed uh, shirts. God bless. So, God yeah, bless. So, um, you know, I got I got my sweatshop being uh, assembled in, in Queens right now. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been having some business meetings with the with the labor on the ground. It's there's a lot of plans in the works, so got a lot of exciting stuff rolling out soon. So yeah, definitely be on the lookout. Well, perfect. That that's something I think that uh, we can all stand up and get excited for. Um, as for the uh, podcast itself, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Letterbox at Gigo Podcast. Uh, leave us a five star review on iTunes. Also follow us on Spotify. We are trying to reach a hundred. So, uh, with all due respect, please, 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 on my knees, I'm begging you. And if you don't, there will be bees, bees <laughs> on all of you. Uh, if you uh, if you don't, but. Uh, yeah, that, that just about does it as an episode. So let's all say goodbye, y'all. Peace. Goodbye, y'all. Deuces.